Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm Chief Meteorologist McCall Vrydags, my co-host, meteorologist Kirsty Zantini with you with our latest episode. And we don't have any special guests for today, but we have lots of interesting topics to talk about. And uh, one of them is going to include us answering some questions that viewers and listeners sent us via Instagram. Right, Kirsty? Yes, we're excited to do a little Q&A for you. And of course, we'll talk just kind of McCall and I. It's been a while since we've done an episode just with each other. So we can kind of catch up and uh, discuss what's been going on in the weather world. Yeah, the weather has been a little bit wacky lately, not only here in the Miami Valley, but across the country. Some of the big stories happening right now in the weather news is extreme drought out west. where portions of the west coast up in like washington state are seeing temperatures the air temperature over 112 or something like that and that's insane for them i know and myself and meteorologist austin cheney were talking a little bit more this morning about this situation um you know the average high temperature in the pacific northwest is typically like in the 70s and 80s this time of year so these are also a lot of homes and families that probably don't even have air conditioners because it's really never gets, or it usually doesn't get right. this hot, but this is such extreme heat that, you know, even my husband commented in the Miami Valley, we've hit two ninety degree days in a row this week. And our air conditioner yesterday really struggled to bring our house temperature down, you know, out of the mid seventies. And that is with just two days of 90 degree weather. We're talking about, they've had multiple days, 110 plus they've mm-hmm. broken their record of all time high temperature twice in a row now. Wow. So that's like the highest on record. And I'm pretty sure it was actually for, I want to say Portland that did that, mm. but that like, that's insane. So yeah, extreme heat. And then that leads of course, to help fueling a drought in the West. And now wow. we've got the 4th of July coming up, which you hope that, you know, we don't have a lot of fireworks going on outside of shows that are you know properly put together because you just think of how easy even here I mean we're lucky we've had rain and heat but just how dry that ground and the brush is going to be right just that that wildfire danger is even higher heading into a holiday weekend when they're dealing with the, the heat and drought they have it is that dry season of the year and then when you factor in things like an extreme drought it just escalates the situation any little flame could ignite a wildfire and in areas that uh don't oftentimes deal with wildfires so this could be very detrimental especially for the pacific northwest also in the weather news happening we are up to tropical storm danny i know it was upgraded to a tropical storm last night i wasn't following mm-hmm. today so uh I got probably it. is weekend so how about you give us yes. the update on that Yeah, so Danny made landfall last night. It was uh, then a tropical depression early this morning, and now it has dissipated. So the National Hurricane Center officially kind of has stopped doing updates on it, but it's still expected to bring heavy rain to Georgia and parts of the Carolinas, uh, even though it's kind of dissipated and lost its tropical characteristics. So yeah, all the way up to D now, which again, it's not even July, and Mm -hmm. we've had three named storms. There's another area of interest that um, will could become Elsa mm-hmm. uh, maybe in the next couple of days here. So again, uh, another active and kind of early start to hurricane season. Yeah, and we are in a neutral phase because mm-hmm. a lot of the times, as far as ENSO is concerned, that's your El Nino and La Nina. 
um, during a neutral phase or La Nina phase, we typically have a very active hurricane season. So it would be quote unquote normal. Um, yeah. But we did just uh, see an update from um, the hurricane center that this year is going to be more than active. Yeah. And it certainly looks as though it is going to pan out that way. So anybody that's traveling or living down along the southeastern coastline or in the Gulf of Mexico can anticipate that we're going to have more and more storms as we head into this season. Yeah. Now, speaking that, of storms, I don't mean to cut you out, Kirstie, but speaking of storms, um, you did a sweep story. And when I say sweeps, that's technical terms. You did a, a yeah. special story that's going to air on channel seven that kind of surrounds yes. the storm topic and drones, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell our listeners and our watchers what this story is about and how it is going to perhaps help us in the Miami Valley. Yeah. So uh, the story I got to work on, yes, was with AES Ohio, which is our um, electric utilities company here. And uh, they basically got to give me kind of an inside behind the scenes look at the drone technology that they're using um, and that they have been using for a few years. So about three years ago, they made the investment to take some of their engineers, linemen, um, you know, people that are working in the field and also so kind of more behind the scenes engineering for them and offered that, hey, we should really start utilizing drone technology. So I got to interview um, Mark Gonet, who was one of their first drone pilots. And he kind of talked a little bit about how he went through um, the program and testing to become a licensed drone operator. So they basically go through the same test as a pilot. And then instead of logging flight hours that a pilot would do, um, you know, they then can fly their drone. So the fact that it's a rigorous amount of like learning you have to do and testing that they have to take um, to operate these drones properly. Uh, And now their program with AES has grown to having six uh, licensed drone pilots. They have drones that are able to carry two cameras, one that can zoom 180 times, which is (laughs) that's incredible, an incredible amount of detail they can get from being safely far away. They also have a drone camera that can do infrared images, which is great because they can kind of check some of their equipment for hotspots. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also said they've used it in search and rescue. Uh, unfortunately, you know, being able to see if there's any bodies or anyone that could be living in debris and that kind of thing. Um, so we, we really got to do a really interesting piece kind of behind the scenes look at this drone program and speaking specifically to a drone operator who, for us, handled the uh, Memorial Day tornado outbreak, which as we know was devastating. So how how long have they been using these drones? I'm sorry if I missed you saying that. that's okay. Yeah. A a couple of years they said. Mm -hmm. So about three years ago, um, you know, Memorial Day was really the biggest event that they used their drones for. And then since then, now they're, they have six pilots. So they've really increased from about two drone pilots to six in just a few years. Um, and Mark, who I interviewed in my story, was basically their main pilot that mm-hmm. flew the drones over. Um, they were We were back in Harrison Township. And they said there was so much debris, which McCall, you know, yeah. firsthand, so much debris that they couldn't even remotely either safely walk the debris to figure out Mm -hmm. what poles were down, what transmission uh, issues they were dealing with, but they definitely couldn't get their trucks in. So he was instrumental in being able to fly over. And before, you know, they got to send any crews down, he could get 
aerial images, video, and they can specifically pull up their maps and look at, okay, we need to replace this pole, this, that, and the other. So really it's kind of that focus of how efficient can we be and how safe, how much more safe is it for their employees? You know, it's dangerous to climb a pole. It's dangerous mm -hmm. to put someone up in a line truck and, you know, pop them up several hundred feet in the air to kind of check out these towers. Yeah. And now they have drone technology that can safely do it. So it's That's incredibly interesting. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. I mean, my father was a phone man, so he, he <laughs> used to climb up the telephone pole and work on the lines. And that was like, you know, before bucket trucks and then there was bucket trucks, right. you know, and now, you know, he's obviously retired at this point, but to think about, um, you know, drones flying around is pretty incredible. Did you have any yeah. really unique stories that you got out of um, your interviews? Well, I, I really, I think what kind of threw me off and I didn't even realize this, but when I was talking to Mark about his experience flying drones at Memorial Day, and I just, you know, asked like, how did you feel? It was so scary for everyone. And he said, well, you know, I've experienced something like this before. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he uh, actually lived through the Xenia tornado. Mm. Um, his family, he was nine years old. His house was completely blown away. Um, he said he lost friends and he had friends that were injured and lost limbs. And these are little children, like, you know, he was yeah. nine. So that means other little kids. So we forget, I think maybe, or maybe you just don't even, as time goes on, like, you know, that, that tornado, it, it took lives. So mm -hmm. I think a lot about what, what just happened with Memorial day and, and to think like, he kind of said it was just very emotional to fly on Memorial day. Yeah. Um, but a little more empowering because he could at least do something to help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't imagine going through that F5 1974 right. as a nine-year-old kid. No way. I mean, it just gave me chills just thinking about it, but you know, to come full circle, to be able, like you said, to now perhaps help somebody else out um, by being a drone pilot and working with AES, it's pretty incredible. And you may yeah. or may not have this answer. Do they know of any other power companies or electric companies that are doing this across the country? Like how did this come about, um, yeah. bringing it here? So I don't, I mean, I know that other, they said that this is becoming really actually common in the utility company mm -hmm. across the, the country. And, um, you know, they are part of a mutual aid network. So not only do, you know, they work with other utility companies outside of Ohio, um, but they will also even provide aid across like Southeastern United States. Mm -hmm. So Mark has actually flown for Hurricane Irma, which again, that was several years ago. And he was able to take his drone and help with um, repairing a lot of the power outages and devastation down there with the hurricane. So, you know, it is a back and forth effort that, they said has really, really ramped up in popularity amongst other utility companies. But he said it was a couple of years ago that the, the president or vice president at the time had said, I think we should start doing drones. And he raised his hand right away and said, I want to, I want to do that. I want to get trained and become a licensed pilot. And, and he did. So that's neat. really a cool story and yeah. yeah, mutual aid. And we, we talk a lot about how we'll send people um, locally from the Miami Valley down to help out, whether it's with the Red Cross um, mm -hmm. or, you know, the power companies. So it's pretty cool to have that, you know, set skill to be able to help yeah. out elsewhere. Yeah. Um, did you have a good time doing the story? 
I did. I thought it was neat too. He had said like when they do provide like aid, he said he's flown his drone from West Virginia to Virginia down to Florida. And a lot of the mountainous terrain, you know, for, for people who don't live, let's say in the mountain region, um, he could fly safely, which he said is a lot Mm-hmm. better and not only gives them like gives mark insight being from ohio like what the terrain is like right uh, but that it can really help them out so it's just neat to think this little piece of portable tech it, it was right yeah. in the back of his pickup truck like he just drives around he's got two drones and with that can hold these really powerful cameras mm-hmm. and um it's it's neat to think that that's also helping a lot of the crews as well so they're not putting their lives at risk as much um, yeah just to survey something, at least if they're going up, they know what they're going up to. Yes. Yep. What they're going into. Well, that's awesome. I can't wait to see your story. So any listeners or watchers that want to uh, see Christy's story, she'll be sharing it online at some point once it airs and um, we'll make sure to link it into this story on whio.com to accompany Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast so that you can just click right to the story once it goes up online. So Yay. it's really exciting. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get to some viewer listener questions. And I think we're <laughs> going to start doing this more and more often. I think it's a great idea. Uh, yeah. So if you don't already, you should follow Kirsty and me on Instagram. We also have a Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll start asking you guys to give us some questions before we do our next episode. And then maybe we can answer a few of them. Um, and I, and a lot of them this time I was interested because I thought that we would get a lot of weather questions, but I think people just want to know about us. I feel like it's been a while since we've shared a life update, I guess. Yeah. Shared a life update. So now this isn't necessarily life update, but someone asked, um, this is, Trees in 2020. Where did you both go to college? So I'll start. I went to SUNY Oswego, which is a state school in upstate New York on Lake Ontario, where I got my bachelor's degree in meteorology there. Um, And then I entered the workforce after that. And I eventually went to a trade school called Connecticut School of Broadcasting that helped to train me in all things behind uh, the scenes and in front of the camera to help me fine tune my broadcasting skills. Kirsty? Yay. All right. So I went to Ohio University, uh, the one that is in Athens, Ohio, (laughs) one of the first (laughs) colleges in Ohio. So they had a great broadcast journalism program. So I got my degree in broadcast uh, with a specialization in meteorology. And then I too entered the workforce. And then I completed a second bachelor's degree through Mississippi State, which was distance learning. So kind of challenging to Mm -hmm complete another degree online, uh, but it was neat to kind of do it at your own pace. And so then I got a bachelor's of geosciences with a uh, concentration on operational and broadcast meteorology through Mississippi State. So a bear cat and a bulldog. So what's SUNY? <laughs> what, what is the SUNY Oswego? What is your- We're the Lakers. Mascot. The, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's lake. just like, it's just an anchor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. But uh, you know, we're up on the lake, so why not? Um, I'll answer this question, but then I'll also pose it to you. But the question was, how is Gia doing? Is she in school or not yet? My daughter, Juliana, we call her Gia is four and a half and she is in preschool and she's doing really great. She's very smart, spunky, and has a lot of personality (laughs) is 100% a girly girl. And I think she takes her 
you know, wanting to be in front of camera cues from me. She's constantly <laughs> making videos. Uh, and, she's a small YouTube star. She yes. A few YouTube videos. Yeah. Be on the lookout over the next few years because <laughs> she loves making YouTube videos. This morning we were making a video of her making chocolate milk. So she loves to be in the kitchen and making videos while cooking. So she's doing really great. How are your girls? I love it. Well, neither of my children are in school yet, but uh, Margo, who is our oldest, just turned two. And so she does go to daycare. So we call that school. Yeah. Um, it's great. They do a lot of like whatever you could do it too. So a lot of interest in doing like motor skills and practicing letters and singing songs. And it is neat because I'll, I'll notice she picks up on different songs that mm. she'll start singing. And I'm like, oh, she must have learned that when she was in school. <laughs> uh, but Margot is also pretty spunky. Um, sometimes we call her spicy margarita because she could be a little feisty, especially <laughs> at age two. Oh yeah. Um, and <laughs> then our first, our second daughter, Molly, um, she is about to be six months old here in July. And I can't believe how fast the first six months have gone, but she's very, very calm and very happy. So that's good because Margot likes to share toys and sometimes just poker because she's just not yeah. sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I remember too, going into three, that's when it gets real exciting. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're buckling up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So this one's from the blue existence and this person asked, is it annoying or flattering to be so recognized and greeted everywhere you go? I'll say <laughs> that I don't necessarily have people that come up to me everywhere I go. Yeah. Um, I will say when it first started to happen to me, it was odd because, <laughs> you know, I'm me. So I just, right. I, I feel very normal to, you know, I do everything that everybody else does. I go to the grocery store, I go to the bank, I go to work, I have kids. Um, so it was odd at first. It is flattering. It's very nice for people to come up and, and they're usually saying kind words. And, um, yeah. I would say if you, if you, recognize me and you want to say hi, go ahead. Always. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm approachable. I'm a normal person. How about you, Kirsty? I agree. I, I think it's, yeah, it's just the job. So we just kind of forget that, um, you know, people are, are watching, I guess that's what sometimes I do, I think. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's very flattering to know, um, that someone wants to come say hi to you and yeah, it, it's always nice. It's, I, I don't mind weather questions at any time of day and I'm up in really weird times. So you run into me in the grocery store at noon, just know I woke up like 12 hours ago. So I yeah. might be a little tired. <laughs> yeah. It might take you a few seconds to right. gather your thoughts. Get my brain going. <laughs> um, okay. So TDS 313 asked, how did you each meet your husbands and oh. more kids? Question mark. Well, I met my husband uh, after I graduated college. I came home from school and um, my one good friend, Milena, was a bartender. So I would, you know, she worked at TGI Friday. So I would go and see her. And there was a gentleman there that uh, he was interested in my friend and he would be there a lot because he liked her. And so I would talk to him and long story short, his best friend is my now husband. So we became Aww. friends and then I met my husband through him. And as far I as kids, it. I mean, we're happy with the one we got and you never know, you know, no time in the near future, but I'm also getting older. So, right. <laughs> and That's awesome. Uh, let's see. I met my husband, uh, in college actually at Ohio University. So we have a student run news station and I was 
working, of course, as the weather meteorologist. And I was uh, two years younger. So I was like a little freshman working on our <laughs> weather computers. And then my husband uh, was a sports anchor. So we met, but we were just acquaintances. We didn't really know each other. And then a mutual friend who I worked with in Dayton, um, she was a former reporter, Natalie Jovanovich. You might mm -hmm. remember her if you're from the Dayton area. Uh, she reintroduced us when we were older and, you know, I was working here in Dayton. So we reconnected, got married, and now, you know, we have our two children to be determined. Yeah. I don't know what our family will be doing, but uh, yeah, to be determined. <laughs> I feel like that's most people when they get that question, more kids, it's like, Ugh, maybe, maybe know. not. I don't know what, you know, whatever's in God's plan for me. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> um, someone asked, okay, Kevin asked, how long have you guys been friends? And would you guys say you are best friends? Well, Kirsty, we, we have been friends since 2012, 20, when since, did you start at WHI? Yeah, 2013, 2013. I think it was the fall of 2013. Um, I would say we've been friends since day one because yep. I met McCall when we were all kind of getting our hair done at the salon and yeah. I just like ran up and hugged her. She <laughs> did not know me at all. And I was like, hi, McCall, I'm your new meteorologist. And yep. so whether she wanted to be our friend or not, I think I kind of forced the issue. <laughs> and thankfully we get along really well. We so do. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't super awkward. In that first <laughs> encounter, I just got married and I, I was instantly like, look at my wedding photos. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we connected, we actually joke and call our, each other weather sisters. So yes. I'd say that's even more than friends. Yeah. Weather best friends. Yeah. <laughs> we're constantly uh, texting, whether it's about, you know, our families or weather. So I think that there's certainly a special bond there. Um, okay. So Cassie Apple asked, how far out can you, and this is a weather question. How far out can you trust a forecast? Some apps go out weeks, but then change. I'll let you take that one. Yes. So, I mean, realistically and statistically speaking, it's a couple of days out that's going to give you the most accurate. So about three days is like, you could really nail down a forecast. Mm -hmm. You get to seven days and even seven days is iffy. And really, if you're seeing numbers weeks out in advance, it's likely just model output statistics. So it's just- right raw model data that has not been processed by a meteorologist and kind of combed through. Uh, and so that's why it'll continue to change. So if you've got a vacation in two weeks and you're looking at your, your app and you're saying in Florida, it's going to be sunny and 80. And then, you know, a couple of days out, all of a sudden it's going to storm. Well, that's because you were probably just, you were just fed raw numbers. Um, and of course, weather plays off of itself. So one system that develops is going to impact what happens a couple of days down the line. You can have models trying to bring storms ashore that are still over the ocean. Once they do come on land, then they're able to kind of analyze them and, and give you a clearer forecast. So not super yeah. accurate. I uh, mean, weather ooh. is always changing. <laughs> if, if you you know, haven't figured that out yet. You know, we do our best to yes. try and forecast as far out as possible. Yeah. Um, people do want to plan for the weekend, even if it's already right. Saturday, they want to know what next Saturday is going to be like. So we can give you the best forecast that we can in that scenario, but you yeah. just have to understand that you're going to have to keep coming back to check because it can change really quickly. Really quickly. I mean, we know that even from one afternoon to the next. So, yeah. uh, yeah, just know we do our best, but to definitely don't think, um, don't think everything on a 15 day forecast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at all. 
So those are my Instagram questions. I didn't know if you had a couple that you um, got from your Instagram. I was going to say, I'm probably going to disappear real quick as I read. <laughs> so this iPhone. was a good one. I've got, uh, I've got one actually that we'll do. Are you scared of storms? I think that's a great question for a meteorologist. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that, um, that I've always been interested in storms. Um, I get very excited but I am also human. So there are times when you can start to feel uneasy, but because of my education, I feel that I am prepared as to how to react to them. If that makes any sense, there's a little fear, you know, and you know, we went through the Memorial day tornado outbreak and we all experienced it together. So there is a little, you know, you start to feel the nerves coming up a little bit in, in some situations, but I don't think I'm overly scared. Things that scare me are things that I don't expect in like, like an earthquake. That would be scared of that. I didn't grow up in an area where earthquakes occur. Yes. Uh, You also don't like to get up and like fly. Yeah. Someone has asked us before. I think like if we would, was it jump out of a plane? I don't remember. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Facebook question a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not jumping Um, out of planes. No. Uh, your response, it does make total sense. And, and really education is key because the more, you know, about something you're afraid of, the less you're afraid of it. Yeah. That's why we do a lot of school talks and that's why we do it for, you know, children and young children in particular, because it's frightening to just hear rumbles of thunder and feel mm. the wind blowing on your house and getting, you know, go in the basement yelling right. for a tornado warning. So that's our goal. When we do these school talks is to kind of teach the kids, like, this is how the tornado forms. This is right. why you're safer. If you go in your basement. And this is why, you know, if you hear thunder, just use it as a warning to get inside, not, you know, to be totally frightened. So I agree. Once I learned more through school about Mm -hmm. how storms develop, severe weather impacts, that kind of thing. um, It definitely made me less afraid. And I will say though, too, covering live tornado warnings um, and severe thunderstorm warnings, we feel it. I mean, because Mm -hmm. you saw firsthand with Memorial Day, you know, what's happening on the ground or what could be happening on the ground. Um, and in particular, especially being a morning meteorologist, I will get a little anxious when we have, uh, quick ice events, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff really makes me nervous because I just carry this, like, you know, hoping to keep everybody as prepared as possible because we know that ice and snow and driving is just can be very dangerous. So, um, it's kind of understanding that and trying to use as many tools as we can, like road temps and that kind of thing to try to help prepare people. But yeah, I think it's probably more of the the fear and the responsibility more for the people that are watching and not necessarily for me, because I know what I need to do. I just need to make sure that I'm getting that info out for everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the only really weather related question I Mm -hmm. had. And we kind of had a couple people ask like, what got you into weather? Yeah. Um, so I had that a few times, which let's answer it. McCall, what got you into weather? Um, well, I actually grew up thinking I was going to be on Broadway. I, I yeah. love to sing and dance and be in front of the camera um, until I got to 10th grade and I took an earth science class and I was like, well, I really like earth sciences. Yeah. And then um, when it came time to figuring out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, I kind of blended the two because really the oh, chances of yeah. me, the chances of me getting on Broadway, I was a average singer, but let's be, (laughs) let's be real. I wasn't getting the, the the lead roles in the plays. Um, and so I chose a path where 
I could pursue sciences and perhaps uh, be able to do the broadcasting in, in front of the camera type of work as well. You? I love it. Uh, I mean, I was kind of the same as a little girl. I was a total ham and did like, you know, <laughs> plays and, yeah. and saying and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I loved the news growing up. So to be honest, I didn't really connect the two until I got to college. Right. Um, I wrote for my school newspaper and went to a college that I knew had a good broadcast program for that reason, but it was my first, uh, meteorology course I took at, at, at OU intro to meteorology. And I was like, this is hard. And yeah. Fun. <laughs> and so for me then I was like, wait, I can go into the, the weather side and the meteorology side of, of the news world. And mm. I'm really glad I did definitely love it. But yeah, we grew I grew up in Cleveland. So I'm like you weather has always been fascinating yeah. and, um, you know, when you're a little kid, I think everybody's probably super intrigued by weather because it's yeah. just all around you. I um, can't tell you yeah. how many people I meet that say that this was the job I that to be they should have Yes. Yeah. I think everybody's a little weather nerd on the inside. It, it impacts everybody because every day right. you have to know you what the weather is. You can, yeah. You, you have to, you have to know. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, all right. Any something more questions? I don't think we have any more questions, but before we wrap this up, this is something that we haven't done since in a while. I like, think a, like a our first three <laughs> episodes of cloudy with a chance podcast, where we used to do a little segment at the end in the sky. Yes. And so I was just doing a little research to see what's happening in the night sky, as far as July is concerned. Um, and one of the first things that I saw, and it's not necessarily that you'll be able to see it, but on the 5th of July, the earth is at its aphelion, which basically means um, is when the earth is at its furthest point from the sun in its orbit. So kind of cool and yep. interesting that you're so far from the sun, but it's the, for us, the hottest time of the year, you would assume that you'd be closest to the sun when it was hottest. So that's kind of cool. Yep. Um, another interesting thing is on July 8th, Mercury the planet Mercury will be at its highest point in the morning sky. Now, Mercury is a very yeah. tiny planet yeah. and you don't necessarily get to see it often. So if you are someone that has a pretty good telescope and you're up around dawn, you might have a chance to see Mercury. And Love then it. on the 11th and 12th is the conjunction of the moon, Venus, and Mars. I always love seeing conjunctions in the sky. Yes. And if you've never seen it or realized what it is, it's kind of cool to be able to see the moon and a couple of planets. Yeah. And a good way to pick out a planet is it looks like a star, but it's not twinkling. And it's usually exactly. one of the brightest dots up in the sky. So yeah. Venus and Venus is very bright. That's the brightest planet, correct? Yes, it is. It go, It's the, it goes sun, the moon, and then Venus for brightness in our sky. So uh, Venus is super fun. You really can rarely miss it. Yeah. So yeah. And then at the end of the month on July 24th is the conjunction of moon and Saturn. So if you have a pretty uh, decent telescope, I need to invest in one of those because I, I want to see the rings of Saturn. I've seen photos, yeah. but how cool. Right. All I've seen are pictures of it. I've never actually gotten to like look through a telescope and see it. So yeah. maybe we should go to Boonshaw's and we can like bother. Let's do them. it. Say, let <laughs> us look through the microscope or telescope. Did I say yeah. microscope before? That one more. Oh my gosh. I didn't even pick it out if you did. We know telescope. Everybody, yeah. we know it's a telescope. We know what it is. Um, but Kirstie, <laughs> you knew a little bit about perhaps um, a meteor shower that may be peaking oh. in August, not necessarily July. 
Yeah. So like you, so we, we were kind of talking before this July is more fun to find planets. And then mm. August is kind of when we start to get into our summertime meteor showers. So the Perseid meteor shower is one of the best of the year. I'm pretty sure it peaks the August 11th through the 13th, sometime in that time frame. And what's neat is it peaks and the moon is only 13% full. So Perfect. sometimes we get gypped out when we've got a, a full phase of the moon at the same time of meteor shower. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year it looks like it'll actually be a pretty good show for us at the end of summer. So that's the leak look forward to. I love meteor showers. It was only a few weeks ago. I don't even know if there was a meteor shower that was peaking, but um, I saw a, a meteor across the sky and was so excited. I felt like I needed to report it. It was a fireball, I was, actually. I was going to say it was a fireball. I was jealous. And I don't think it was that it wasn't a super active meteor shower, but I think mm-hmm. we looked it up. There was some, one of like the more minor showers was like active. So it's and neat it- if you could find a fireball. And it's just funny just to imagine me. I'm just driving on the highway at like one in the morning and I saw a fireball. I was like, did you see it? Did you wow! see it? And there's like, like talking no- to yourself. Yeah. There's nobody around because <laughs> it's one in the morning. I said, I was driving in. You were yeah. coming home and I was going in. That's right. You're the only person I could text at that hour. And, and- <laughs> you may have done it actually. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, I know that this was a different type of podcast, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Kirsty's story again is going to be airing on channel seven. Um, July 1st on July 1st. So if you have the chance to tune in, it usually airs in the five 30 newscast. Um, and she'll be talking about drones and how it helps out AES, our local electric company and how they use it, especially after significant storm damage. Um, also, if you have any questions that you would like to ask Kirsty and I, be sure to send us some questions over on Instagram accounts. You can always email us as well and perhaps give us some topics mm-hmm. of things that you would like us to talk about on Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. Kirsty, why don't you give our listeners and viewers an idea of what we're going to be talking about perhaps in our next episode? All right. So we've got some great guests lined up. Our next episode will actually be with a dermatologist and we're going to talk more about the UV index, what it is, why we bring it up, um, skin safety, what you could do to keep your skin safe. Obviously the summertime is really the worst time of year when it comes to uh, sunburn and the possibility of skin cancer. So it'll be neat. Again, sometimes we branch out into not just, you know, meteorologists that we talk to, mm-hmm. but this will be a dermatologist. So um, I'm interested in kind of getting uh, their view on, on skin and sun safety. Uh, we also will have an upcoming episode with a pilot, which I have wanted to talk to for a while. Um, so this will be really neat. Uh, pilots go through quite a bit of meteorology coursework uh, when if they do it as a degree in an undergrad, and of course, to get your pilot's license as well. So we'll talk to um, a local airline pilot and then McCaw, we've got one more guest that we're hoping we can get locked down. Yeah, we're hoping in the month of August, uh, you may know him if you are part of the weather world and the meteorology community, Dr. Marshall Shepard. Hopefully in August, we'll be able to sit down with him. If not in August, I believe we'll get him on as a guest. He seemed that he was up for it and <laughs> we're very excited to talk with him. Um, he's a very smart man and we're just going to pick his brain as weather nerds. Yep. <laughs> so again, if you guys have any topic ideas, be sure to share them with us. We'd love to hear them. Also download, subscribe, and listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast on your podcast app, whether you have an Android or an Apple phone. Also, you can head to whio.com. We have our video version there as well. And we now have a YouTube account. So we are posting our video version there on YouTube. Just search Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. 
So as always, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. See you next time.